0: in it's been a minute but here we are with another salt city hoops podcast um actually a a, it's even a brothers clayton edition um i'm dan clayton associate editor and columnist for salt city hoops and on the other end is uh mi hermano is ken clayton clear from uh clear from phoenix arizona actually it's funny ken we um just as you've lived around the world and such we've gone like Entire years at a time without without seeing each other, and suddenly we've hung out like five times in the last three weeks in like five different states.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. Five different states. I hadn't thought of it that way. Utah. You were here in Arizona, and then we had the three straight three state jazz spree uh, a week ago.
0: Yeah, we uh, Ken flew in. We had a chance to go to jazz at Nick's at Madison Square Garden um that afternoon game that was marked by gordon hayward's return um and then the next evening took a quick jaunt down to philadelphia for jazz at sixers another jazz win so on the one hand you know we're and 0 i think i don't think that's you know they're and 0 with us in the building ken five and five with us not in the building i i think that speaks volumes
1: put us on the payroll and i'll i'll add too that i'm uh three and a lifetime in opposing arenas so
0: see i wish i could i wish i could say the same
1: yeah i've caught a win in phoenix many years ago when we first moved here probably 06 or 07
0: yeah um i was at a i was at a jazz loss at the garden actually working for salt city hoops that night i was at a jazz loss at staples center um the Lakers although what was fun about that game is the Jazz were you know very clearly going to lose by the end of that game um, which you know too bad for them but towards the end of the game we could tell that Laker fans were cheering for the Jazz to be stopped short of the 100 point mark because then they got free tacos so it became our goal in life to stop the Angelinos from getting free tacos and so when memo I believe it was memo hit a three to put them into triple digits and uh we stood up we um kens and my nephew and i stood up and started pointing around the arena going no tacos for you no tacos for you no tacos for you and then we got in the car and went and got tacos so not free tacos but cathartic tacos nonetheless
1: well wow, very good i went i was there with my son your other nephew at the phoenix game and it was much less eventful but it did end in the Jazz win many years ago.
0: All right. Well, you're 3 0. I'm 2 0 this year. The Jazz, though, are 7 and 5 overall. They finished that trip 4 and 1 and then came home and uh, lost one to Memphis in the closing minutes, tied 88 all. And then, um, you know, some things defensively and rebounding wise kind of fell apart late. But macro level, Ken, let's talk about kind of um, is this what, like, should the Jazz be? First of all, a 4 one trip east is not something that uh, jazz fans or the Jazz have experienced in a lot of years. Um, but at seven and five, is does that where does it feel like that's where the Jazz should be given um, the road-heavy schedule, the injuries, etc.?
1: No, it's probably a little high. Although after last night's game, it feels a little low because I was sure hoping for eight and four. But if you look at the twelve games and you think where they should have probably been when you looked at that schedule back in October, seven to five is probably a little higher than you might've expected at that moment.
0: Right. So, so the losses are at Portland. Um, again, there were some injuries in that game, most notably Gordon Hayward and, and you're also on the road at a playoff team. It's their home opener the next loss was at Clippers, who they've just been tremendous. I think they're 10-1 and 1 after last night's blowout win over the Nets. Um, then they snuck one away. They stole one from San Antonio's home court and then gave one back to San Antonio in Salt Lake City. So that was the third loss. And then at Charlotte, again, you're in the gym of a likely playoff team. And then, uh, and then last night to Memphis. And so um, I guess the flip side of that argument is – um you know, the games that they've won that you that you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, they should have lost those, but you know, in the past, if the Jazz go on a trip in the past few years anyway, if the Jazz go on a trip to New York, Philly, Charlotte, Orlando, and Miami, you kinda just budget that they're gonna find a way to give away two or three of those, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean on paper, you probably start at two and hope it doesn't go higher than that, that they're gonna lose three, but you know, winning on the road in the NBA is tough. Um, I think people sometimes get greedy, thinking, "Oh, this, they're a lousy team; we're going to beat them." But you know, you're you know that uh, what the Miami game was the last game. You've been sleeping on the road for a week, a full week, flying all around. I'm sure it gets on them. Obviously, they're star athletes; they should be able to handle it. But the other team isn't handling the same thing, and so I think it gives that edge. Uh, so. You know, I it wouldn't have shocked me in, in years past or even this year to drop either the Orlando or the Miami as you're getting closer to the end of that road trip. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately they got them both. Unfortunately, then they dropped the one when they came back home. So you would have thought they were safe.
0: Yeah, I mean, people talk about that come home game like it's kind of the sixth game of a road trip. Yeah. Um, and in fact, Quinn Snyder talked about on them that talked about that on Monday, saying basically, you know, it's a it's our sixth game of the trip, just with people who happen to like us. Um, I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure that's why they lost the Memphis game. I, I think you know you could pick apart the Memphis game and and um, again say how many games did Quinn Snyder really think he'd be finishing with Shelvin Mack, Joe Ingles, Gordon Hayward, Trey Lyles, and Boris Diaw? Um, you know, so some things didn't go the Jazz's way in terms of. Injuries in terms of um, players, you know, I don't want to wade into controversy here, but but players, you know, taking a seat whether it was for foul trouble or because Quinn didn't like what he was seeing. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, you go on a you go on a five game road trip and you go four and one, and then I guess you've you've kind of. Um, earned the right (laughs) or earned the leeway maybe playing with house money a little bit so it doesn't sting too badly to to come home and drop one um the thing with that memphis game i think is just you know being tied 88 all at home and you're ostensibly the better team like it just kind of feels like that's one that utah had and and shouldn't have shouldn't have let go
1: and you hope you don't really feel like you needed it come april and it shouldn't be a get into the playoffs type needed, but uh, you know, for seeding, hopefully, is is all we're worried about. One game,
0: yeah. So let me ask you this: going back to the four and one trip, um, you know, like I said at the at the outset, here we had a chance to be at a couple of those games. Um, I'm sure, like me, you watched the others. Um, what what impressed you the most about the trip on the whole, or or what you know, if there was a particular game that um, you just kind of thought like, hey, these guys look like they're a little bit for real now.
1: Well, uh, probably the biggest thing that impressed me right off the bat was how quickly. I, did, I had no idea. I did not expect Gordon Hayward to come back in and jump back in and look as good, actually better, than I think he's looked in the past. I didn't expect that right after missing the first six games of the season. Uh, very impressive. Very impressive. You know I've talked a little bit about Hayward in the past that I've always wanted a little more from him and that whole full-on 20-point-per-game average. He he looks like he's there now, and I say that, of course, after the Memphis game when he when he had a rough game.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you're right about the coming right back in and, and hitting the ground running. I think everybody sort of expected that his first games back, they would kind of reintegrate him slowly as – they tend to do with players coming back from injury instead he played 35 and a half minutes in that first game and you know he was rusty for sure he he shot six for 17 from the field two of eight from three but you know right off the bat the Jazz just looked like they had a a different identity with you know a star at the helm and granted that was the one game that he and George Hill overlapped so I think the Jazz kind of had what they needed to weather um you know gordon recalibrating to some degree um but yeah he he had a, as impressive a week as I, I don't know i can't think of more than five or six guys in the entire nba who probably did more solid work last week you know put four wins and you know averaging something like 24 points um he had a hit a pretty amazing return to action
1: yeah absolutely and uh I know you and I have talked about this before, but the, the fact that a couple of years ago he was a legit 20-point-per-game scorer one one game, and then he dropped back below and finished at 19.3. Last year he was a legit 20-point-per-game scorer two games in a row and then dropped back down and finished at 19.7. And uh, And the reason I, I always pay attention to that was years ago when uh, Richard Jefferson came to play for the Jazz. He said, when you're 20, when, as soon as you get the 20 points after your name – People start going after you, and it's harder. It's hard to keep it. And so now, this year, it's early, but now for six games in a row, he's been a twenty-point-per-game scorer. And even after the rough night last night, he's hit the average still sits at twenty-two point five. So, a great way to start the season. Now, now keep it up.
0: You know, I talked about that point in a column I did recently. Um, so, in his third season, which was really his. His first as I guess kind of a focal point for the team. Um, the game, the game after a twenty point performance, he averaged. Or excuse me, the game after an eighteen point performance, he averaged eleven point seven. So if he had yeah. eighteen, the next night he he had seven, he had twelve, he had eight. 17-3, um, he had a 26 and a 23 in there, but a couple of fives, a three, a seven. Um, you know, um, his fourth season, so kind of the the first year that it went from being a, a vet-oriented squad to really being Hayward's team, um, that year he, f- he averaged in the game following an 18-point performance, he averaged 18 points. So I think... He started to hit that consistent level um, there. Now he's taking that, I think, into the 20s and really becoming a guy that the Jazz can count on um, to do more than just, you know... I I mean, I think you're right, Ken. Like, there's a difference between being penciled in for 18 in this league and being penciled in for 20, 22, 24. Um, And and hopefully that's something that Gordon recovers from Monday night and, and keeps that average high. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was absolutely you know great to see right out right out of the gate. I didn't expect that. I expected probably starting in the sixteen to eighteen range and hoping he'd pull it up later. So uh, good to good to start high and then just try to maintain it. I'm uh, I'm a fan. I'm 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 sold for now. Uh, just just keep it up. And and one more thing I was going to add is the thing that surprised me too last year was that he couldn't do it even with as many guys as were as were missing, and so to come in right off the injury and make it happen now. And again, there are still some guys missing and some guys not playing full minutes. But to, to come in now and do it right off the bat, very impressive.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, even last night, um, you know, he was, he was 4 of 4. We're recording this Tuesday evening, by the way. Um, so the Monday night game at Memphis, or uh, at home against Memphis, he was 4 of 14. Um, you know, he had a couple of turnovers. But in the end, he finished with 13 points, Um, A lot of that is because he found his way to the line four times um, and just, you know, a volume, you know, from a volume standpoint, he got 14 shots up, which is his season low. But point being um, even on an off night, he wasn't that far from that 20 point mark. So this may just be Gordon sort of moving his range of what we can expect from him. Um, You know, both the low end of the range and the high end of the range, moving that, you know, scooting that to the right a little bit and being, more consistent at that level. Hey, speaking of Monday, by the way, Ken, I thought of you. um, It was either the first or the second quarter and Trey Lyles was on the free throw line. And I looked up and in big blue um, lights on the screen behind him, it said free throws brought to you by Zion's bank. And I know, and I know that's one of your favorite things about watching NBA games, that everything is brought to us by someone. And thank goodness that that someone was around, or else would we have even had free throws? How do who do we? How do we know?
1: <laughs> Slightly off topic, but years ago at, at uh, the company that you and I both worked for, uh, we uh, there were there were the employee satisfaction teams, and they would put up signs as we knew the employee survey that said such and such a thing, brought to you by the ESAT team. Such and such a thing, brought to you by the ESAT team. So we started making our own signs, like. The air you breathe, brought to you by (laughs) ESAT team. So there you you go. We have the... uh Free throws. We, what what would the referees have done if Science Bank hadn't sponsored those? I mean,
0: I mean, I guess it worked because here you and I are doing this amazing podcast, giving them free mentions. So you know, exactly. I guess, I guess that was worth worth your nickels, Science Bank. But what's your favorite one of those? Just not to put you on the spot because I we weren't going to talk about this. But like, what's the thing that every time you see it, you just chuckle because you're like, oh, thank goodness.
1: Oh, I don't know, I. The only one I can think of off the, at all isn't one I chuckle at, but the you know the injury report. I think in the past, maybe still, it's workers' compensation fund, or actually sometimes it was University of Utah. Yeah, I think it's University of utah Network. Now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, tip off occasionally is brought to you by somebody. I don't think they've been doing that as much lately. No, I, I think they I still haven't do noticed it.
0: it. I think okay. they still do. I think it's Altius, and that's okay. the one that makes me laugh because it's like, you know. Um, I I can't wait for the day that the ball rolls out and the referee goes to center court and they're like brought to you by wait, what? We don't have a sponsor. Oh crap. We can't do tip. Everybody, you know, drive safe on your way home.
1: Just flip a coin to see who gets the ball.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I guess there's that. See, I'm a defeatist. I was ready to just pack the whole thing up. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, that was slightly off topic, except weirdly (laughs) also on topic. Um, but let's get back to the jazz. And um, speaking of being a defeatist, I guess one of the things—it's—it's um, it's kind of part of the encouraging narrative about the jazz. The fact that they're seven and five, despite having you know Gordon miss six games, and now George Hill has missed a week's worth of action, and Favors has been in and out, and and Boris Diaw missed a bunch, and we still haven't seen Alec Burks, and. We're not really sure what's happening with favors on a day to day basis, but he's been in, out, some nights looking good, some nights not looking good. So, on a level, it's, the injury thing is kind of encouraging that they're finding a way to, you know, more or less power through and win some ball games, um, even with so many things in flux. Um, but on the other hand, some parts of that are. Pretty concerning, I would say, don't you think? I mean, where are you at on the injury front and what you would, the the mysteries of life you would like to see solved?
1: Well, yeah, I noticed when I pulled up the stats as we were getting ready to start here, it's pretty early in the season to find that there are only six guys now already in the running to play all 82 games. Not that that's a metric that has to be followed, but I, I was surprised how few already have played only the first 12 games. Only six guys have made it. Through those so clearly injury slash illness bug is uh coming on strong so far this year uh favors worries me um because he just hasn't looked right even when he has played uh, i know a lot of people were tweeting last night maybe it's time to just shut him down for a little while and get him right before we uh do any further damage or whatever because he's not even finishing games but yeah it's been uh it's been a strange start to the year but the thing that you got to give the Jazz Brass and Dennis Lindsay credit. They went out and got this depth, and it's a good thing they did because otherwise, we're already finishing the games with some curious lineups. But, you know, think how much worse it would have been last year if we had three, four guys not able to play uh, at the close of a game or even at the start of the game.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I mean, I think that if there's anything that the first dozen games have taught us, um, I think it's a good reminder that as much as we talked about depth, there are guys like, like Jeff Withey, like Shelvin Mack, like even Joe, I think to a degree, although I, you know, Joe impresses me just cause he knows how to do basketball things. Like he just finds a way to get basketball things done. Um, but I mean, you mean I, 20 point Joe? Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy <laughs> Joe,
1: Joe Ingalls. I assume you're talking about, we got oh, yes. more specific nowadays.
0: Correct. I mean, and actually that could be a whole other topic because I think um, the Jazz have mostly been left wanting a little bit where Joe Johnson is concerned. But to avoid that tangent for at least a second here, um, I I think it's been a good reminder that those guys, you know, were by design 11 through 13 men. In the rotation right like the jazz had 10 men above them 10 guys who were supposed to play the bulk of the minutes night in and night out and those guys were supposed to be kind of um breaking glass breaking break glass in case of fire type options there's a fire Quinn Snyder has had to break the glass we're seeing lots of Joe we're seeing lots of Shelvin. we're seeing um not quite as much of Jeff Withy, but we've seen a lot of him over the course of the season um and it's kind of reminded me that you know, when everything's going right for the jazz, we're probably going to see less of them. And that's not meant to sound like a slight. It's just meant to sound that, you know, ideally if you can have a four wing rotation of Gordon Hayward, Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson, and Alec Burks, and all four are healthy and playing well, then that's, that's, that should be all you need to get through 96 minutes at the wing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah, uh, the other thing I was going to mention, going back even to opening night, I mean, we, we're not talking about the third string here, but the second string. I think I said to you the weekend before when we were at the, the family wedding in Utah, the good news, Jazz went out and got three guys who can, who, who have done this in the league, Hill, Johnson, and Diao. The bad news is they're all starting in the opener because of injuries. Now, Hill would have started either way, right? Uh, presumably, but, yeah, Johnson was forced into starting in the opener, and D.I. was forced into starting the opener because we were missing the two guys who were on the side of the Vivint Smart Home Arena, Hayward and Favors.
0: And yeah.
1: As we've discussed, Hayward's back, Favors, eh, TBD. I mean, he's back in theory. He's starting games. He's not finishing games, though.
0: Yeah, let's talk Favors for a minute because you mentioned that that's the one that worries you, and, and it's the one that's worrying me right now too because even um, – you know, even if you take George Hill, like, you know, that's a sprained thumb and a sprained thumb is going to suck and it's going to hurt for a minute and then it's going to get better and then he's going to be George Hill again. And I think the the tr- the tough thing with Favors right now is nobody really knows. Um, I mean, we know that he had the IT band thing. Now we're hearing about knee soreness last season. It was back soreness. They're just, it, it sort of seems a little bit more amoebic in terms of what's limiting him and then you know occasionally he has nights like he i think it was the philly game that we were at where um he kind of looked like his old self he looked um he looked spry he looked mobile he was you know challenging he was hedging out on pick and rolls he was getting back to his man um he was running the floor to some degree favors has never been like a carl malone or a blake griffin in terms of you know I'm the first guy back to finish the fast break, but he was doing some of those things that we've seen favors do. And that, but I think that's the only night this season that I remember looking at favors and thinking, wow, favors looks like favors.
1: Yeah. That night I was, I just double checked. He was 16 and 14 and he looked good on the court. He had a couple of games after that where he also was, you know, 16 points, 18 points, 10 rebounds, one of those two nights. So those just the two double doubles though. Uh, but yeah, it's more than more than the stats. It's just he's out there and he doesn't look like he necessarily ought to be out there. He just looks like he's he's uh, laboring. Uh, you can see it in how he holds himself. And then you know you get word in whenever, the third fourth third quarter or fourth quarter that uh, Derek Favors won't return to the game because of I think last night it was left knee soreness or maybe it was right knee soreness, but I think that the knee soreness was the was the diagnosis. And you know we got seventy games to go. That's not exactly what we want to hear, uh, with with that kind of road in front of us.
0: So would you shelf him, <laughs> Doctor Clayton? I,
1: well, you know, I I, I I might I might look at the schedule for a good opportunity, or maybe you know you don't wait for the opportunity. Maybe you just get the guy right. I, I mean, it'd be easier to do now that Dio is back. Um, in fact, I wondered if that was one reason why why favors was. Pushing through is because Dio was out, and now Dio's back. That's only been one game, so uh, you know maybe now is an opportunity. If Dio's going to be sticking around, he's only played four games out of twelve, so it's not like he's been an Iron Man. So uh, got to get, got to get some. The bigs get thin, even, even though they added the depth, which is which is great. The bigs get real bigs get awfully thin. Uh, if if you take Favors and Dio out of the same game, then you're left with Gobert, Withy. And I guess Trey Lyles and Joe Johnson are your fours.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only has Diao only played four of the 12 games, he has so far looked, um, less than, I don't know, help me with my adjective. He, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's scored eight total points in those four games, right? Um, he's shooting 27 per, below 27% from the field. He still hasn't yeah. made a three in four attempts. Um, you know, I I think he's another guy that the Jazz just need to get right, largely because um, I'm one of those people who thinks that Trey Lyles isn't um, isn't necessarily fully ready. He he had a pretty nice game last night in terms of um, I think it was the first time I, I've seen him look really decisive and confident for most of the game. Um, he still made a ton of defensive mistakes. He still Gave up rebounds that probably cost Utah the game. At you know in the end, I mean, not like those rebounds cost them the game. Just those were opportunities that the Jazz had to finish a defensive possession and go get in the lead, and they missed out on them. Um, but I, but yeah, I, I guess you know, not knowing what the Jazz are ever going to get from Boris Diaw, and knowing that Trey Lyles is just going to be a roller coaster ride by nature of where he is at in his career. I, it felt to me going into the season, like, like the Derek favors injury was the one injury that, w- that they w- still weren't really, really equipped to just shift around minutes and kind of make it go away. Smoke and mirrors wise.
1: Yeah, no, it's true because they were missing both Hayward and Burks. And I think they weathered that fairly fine. Uh, Johnson came in and had the one big game he has had, Yeah. Um, you know, some other guys picked up. Joe Ingles last night comes in, has the 20 points. Obviously, Hayward was playing that time, but just having a rough night. Um, so, yeah, the, with at the wings and at the point, they've got so many options. Uh, obviously, that includes Shelvin Mack, and some nights I'd like to see a little more of Neto. Uh, but, you know, I don't always get what I want.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, um, I think that's a common sentiment, just because there have been games where Mack um i mean here's how i'd put it like so like i was just talking about lyles there's kind of that one adjective that if you put in front of a guy's name it it makes you feel a lot better about what you're going to get out of that player so for lyles it's decisive right like i hate it i hate watching lyles catch the ball and do the record scratch pump fakes and then dribble into the lane two dribbles and then not be sure where he's passing it like I'm, I'm fine I can live with Lyle's mistakes as long as he's being decisive and confident so for me the best Lyles is a decisive Lyles the for Mac um, the best Mac is an under control Mac and it's not the Mac we've seen in most of the 12 games he's played in this year um, but to me that's kind of the adjective that that tells me we're getting the best that you're gonna get from a from a player Um for me, that's that. And um, he had, by the way, a fine game last night. He had seven, uh, on Monday night. He had seventeen, um, and did did okay. I thought on defense. My biggest pet peeve for Shelvin on defense is when he goes out and crowds a guy at thirty feet, and they just look at him and they're like, "You're Shelvin Mack. I can get right around you." So then they get around him, and then the whole defense has to flatten out and yeah. and collapse because. For some reason, he felt like it was necessary to pick up Derrick Rose 30 feet from the basket. So um, so those are some of the things I'd like to see Mac do better. If he does those things better, then I'm okay that he gets the minutes over Neto. It's just the nights that he's not doing that that, that I say to myself, I mean, man, you know, like... I, in other words, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think the lift you get between Mac and Neto is big enough that I'm going to be too concerned either way except the nights that Mac isn't giving me that adjective the nights that he's not under control
1: yeah and you know under control is a good one too not just on the guarding guys 30 feet from the hoop but on the offensive end you see him sometimes and you just almost can see him thinking I'm going to take over this game now and then you need to just you want to send him a memo you're shoving Mac now he's had a few moments he's hit some shots he's he's given him some good minutes but I think of this one play and, and where we were sitting, I don't think we saw it very well, but it was in the Philadelphia game, and it was on the far end of the court, on the on the left side as we were looking at it. And he went over there, and I just couldn't tell what happened, but it looked like he just like literally dribbled the ball right out of bounds. So I watched it when I got home, and guess what? He pretty much just literally <laughs> dribbled the ball right out of bounds, and I was just like, yeah, I mean, it, it stood out in my mind enough that I wanted to go back, what a day or two later, and see what really happened on that play. And I was like, yeah, he pretty much just ran right out of bounds with that thing so it under control is definitely a thing it's and and that was out on the on the edge of the offense out outside the three-point line but sometimes it's driving into the middle and just nowhere to go and three guys around him and and the turnovers definitely uh like to get those under control obviously it stands out like crazy because you got george hill who doesn't turn the ball over hardly at all and on the other hand we got shelvin Mack. uh the Philly game, it was uh, only one. The New York game, it was four. And I remember we were talking about that at the time.
0: Yeah, probably. That's a thing that we. That's a thing that we do sometimes when we watch basketball. I mean, Shelvin, um, you know, surprisingly, his true shooting is five twenty five, which is not that far off of league average. Um, almost a third of his shots are threes. He's making those at a thirty three percent clip. So, I don't think. I don't think the numbers are quite as bad as some of the fan. Um, dialogue makes it sound, but but yeah, I mean, that that's because a good Shelvin Mac is an under control Shelvin Mac, and we've seen that some nights, and we've seen the other thing some other nights. which actually makes me wonder, and I know we should wrap this up. But le- let me just, let's do a couple more of these because I actually think this is a fun way of um, processing what we want from people at this stage. So we've decided, or I've decided that a good Trey Lyles is a decisive Trey Lyles. Seems like we concur that a good Shelvin Mack is a is an under control Shelvin Mack. A good Dante Exum is,
1: I think, aggressive. Okay. And we're finally seeing it. I, you know, it can't be all the time. It can't be overly aggressive on defense. But I think watching him attack the basket the last, maybe all twelve games, but I think the last five, I've seen it a little more. Uh, the 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 dunk he drove in for in the memphis game whoa, pretty impressive yeah he ends up almost horizontal um swinging from the rim uh yeah very impressive and he's got the the speed to do that but as something we didn't see his rookie season which certainly didn't see it last season because he was sitting in a suit on the bench uh, nice to see him attacking and as he learns how to use that ability um you know hopefully he takes over that second stream point guard eventually and uh Mac takes the third string when we get the other wings back. Burps, yeah. I guess.
0: yeah, I was going to say, what are you talking about? We saw him almost horizontal a lot last season, just not <laughs> hanging off the rim. It was like yeah. reclined in his... Uh, a good Rudy Gobert is a...
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the one thing I, w- I, I hesitate to say under control again because it's not quite the same as Mac, but I mean, a, a little more emotional control, and yet I love that he's emotional. He's he's the heart of the jazz right now. I think he's, uh, he gets them going and gets them excited and, uh, wish he would have played just a few more minutes last night. We might've had a different, different outcome, but maybe not. Um, I don't know what's your thought on him.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, well, first of all, I'm pretty much on record, um, how, on the Twitters about how, how I felt about him, um, watching the last 10 and a half minutes of last night's game. Um, I feel like that was, at least as it relates to a single game, I feel like that was a mistake by Quinn Snyder. Now, Quinn Snyder has a broader view in mind, and he's trying to accomplish some things over the longer term. So maybe it was a trade-off that he made for whatever teaching purposes, et cetera, et cetera. I think there are plenty of ways to teach a guy that don't cost you a winnable basketball game. Um, So there's that. My I don't I don't know what my what my single adjective would be for Gobert because I think most nights even when he has kind of a clunky stat night I I still think he's um, I still think he's pretty impactful I guess the one thing I would say is unafraid like there are just nights where it doesn't seem like he wants to touch any other humans um, so I think just maybe being a little bit bolder about contact whether that's um, on his dives to the rim or whether that's, um, you know, certainly under the glass and that sort of thing. So, so let's go with, unaf- I'll go with unafraid for Rudy. Gobert.
1: Yeah. Well, the one thing he needs to, uh, he needs to add a little bit. And I think of this with Lyles too, is cause I've, I've seen them get muscled a bit. Um, they're, You know that that's going to help him as he gains a little bit. Hopefully, adds a little bit to that frame. Not crazy amounts, probably, but over the years. I I know Embiid was pushing him around just a bit in Philadelphia, and Lyles gets pushed around quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: So we should probably leave it there. Um, And uh, rather than go through all 15 guys and their adjectives, but you know maybe someone else can pick up where we left off, or we'll pick up this conversation. Um, in the future. We'll, uh, we're going to try to make these a more common occurrence, both you know between the brothers Clayton, as well as um, just in the broader context of S- Salt City Hoops podcasts. Um, we know that some people have been missing those. And so we'll try to bring those back now that jazz basketball is in full swing. So for now, Ken, thanks for joining. Yep. Take care. And this has been the Salt City Hoops podcast.